Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. All right, uh, we're going to get started with uh, looking into God's Word in more detail. So our passage today is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. And uh, Exodus 20, verse 15 says, You shall not steal. And that's it. You shall not steal. So let's pray. Let's ask God for his guidance as we, uh, as we talk about this, this passage. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your, uh, for your mercy and your love. We thank you for your holiness. We praise you. You are perfect. You are righteous. And your law shows us that we fall short of your glory. We sin against you. But your law also points us to your son, Jesus, and the work that he's done for us on the cross. It points us to your love, to your mercy, to your forgiveness. I pray that as we look into this passage, I pray that we would be convicted by your law, that we would repent of our sin, of the areas in which we have uh, failed you, but that we would come to come to the to to draw from your grace from your eternal grace lord give us strength to to obey you lord in jesus name we pray amen all right so uh when we look at some of these commandments i think that some of the commandments uh are, you know, more clearly commandments that we have broken. Uh, my guess, as we think about the, the, the eighth commandment of uh, stealing, my guess is that probably many of us will be quick to dismiss this one. Not because, you know, maybe as a kid, you probably stole candy from the store or something like that. But my guess is that the majority of us do not, you know, make our living out of stealing, I'm sure that, you know, I'm not addressing uh, uh, thieves here that, you know, when, when you're on your off days, you go and, uh, I don't know, break into stores and steal things like that, right? So that, I, my point being, I think that some of us are quick to dismiss this command and say, oh yeah, I've, I've never broken this command. So maybe to help us think a little bit more about the, the extent of this command, I have, a, I have an image that I want to show you. It should be up here on the screen, right? Did you see that? <laughs> um, and so before, I, I want to let the kids just kind of tell me what they see. I'm guessing that probably most of the kids don't know what that thing in the middle is. Um, but can you tell me, kids, what you see? Like, if we're talking about stealing. Do you see anything here about people stealing? Or what do you see? Just tell me what you see, kids. What are they doing? Okay, a man and a woman, and is she buying something? What is she buying? 
Chicken, yeah, it looks like chicken, right? And so do you see, what do you see? What are they doing with their hands? They're touching it. Why do you think they're touching it? It's a scale. That's right. So this, this thing in the middle is a scale and it's used to weight things. And so basically they, you know, there's a set price for the, for the weight of the chicken and both of them are actually tipping the scale, right? She, the, the woman from the bottom is, you know, pushing it up so that it weighs less. And then the guy from the top is pushing it down so that it weighs more, right? And so why do I show you this image? Is this, would you say that this is a, uh, uh, this is stealing? This is breaking the eighth commandment? Yes, right, it is. So all of that to say, the eighth commandment is a lot more than just, you know, not taking some, something from someone that doesn't belong to you. It is a lot more than that. It, it encompasses a lot more. And so my hope is that we will first see what it means uh, to steal and, and all of the things that the Bible has about stealing. Well, not all of the things, because that would be a lot. And I don't have that much, uh, that bandwidth. Uh, but that we would think about what the Bible says about stealing. And then I want to talk about two of the, maybe uh, two sins or two things that could be at the root of stealing. And then I want us to look at the work of Christ and how Christ transforms this um, or, or how we can look at this command through the lens of Christ. And then, um, and then I want to look at the, the opposite of stealing, but I'm not going to spoil, spoil that yet. Uh, right now, let's just look at the command. So you shall not steal is the command that we have. And to help us understand this command a little bit better, I want to quote from the Heidelberg Catechism. And this is the question 110. And the question is, what does God forbid in the eighth commandment? And the answer, and the reason why I'm quoting this answer is because I feel like this answer does a good job at kind of taking what scripture says about stealing and putting it together. So this is what God forbids in the eighth commandment according to the Heidelberg Catechism. He forbids not only outright theft and robbery punishable by law, but in God's sight, theft also includes cheating and swindling our neighbor by schemes made to appear legitimate, such as inaccurate measurements, so kind of like the image we had, uh, inaccurate measurements of weight, size, or volume, fraudulent merchandising, counterfeit money, excessive interest, or any other means forbidden by God. In addition, he forbids all greed and pointless squanderings of his gifts. So when we think about the eighth commandment and when we think about you shall not steal, we're not just talking about not taking something, right? Like, like actually physically taking something from someone else. Although, yes, that is stealing. But I think when we think about the eighth commandment, we need to think about what the Bible says about other things that are stealing, right? Like there are passages in scripture that say that even withholding the wages of a worker until the evening, right? Like when you should pay a worker, when you should pay an employee, if you have the money to pay them right away, but you don't, that could be a form or a violation of the, of the eighth commandment. And we're going to talk about more of these, but I want us to think a little bit about the root 
of the problem, the root of stealing. And, I ha- and, and there are at least two things that I want to point you to. One of them is a lack of trust in God's provision, right? Ultimately, when, when you are tempted to steal or to tip a balance or, uh, sorry, tip a scale or whenever you are tempted to take something that does not belong to you by any means, um, I would say that at the root of that, it is a lack of trust in God's provision. If you think about it, the Ten Commandments are interconnected with one another. They are all related. And so if you think about it, the Eighth Commandment is related to the First Commandment in that when we do not trust God for His provision, but rather we trust money for provision and we tr- or we trust possession or we trust ourselves or we trust anything else other than God, we're basically violating the First Commandment, right? We're basically saying, we're, we're basically having other gods before God. We are making money our God. We are making possessions our God. We are making comfort our God. But we know that God is the only one that, the only one that can actually provide for all of our needs. It is also connected to the commandment of not coveting, right? Because you see something else that you like and what is the next step to that? It is you take it for yourself, right? But again, all of these things are pointing us to a lack of trust in God. Now, with the previous two commandments, the one about adultery and the one about murder, we could go to Matthew, Matthew 5 and 6. We could go to the Sermon on the Mount and see how Jesus brings those commandments back up and then he transforms them or expounds on them. Now, with this commandment, it is a little bit harder to, to find, you know, an exact, uh, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't necessarily quote this command exactly. But we, we can definitely see Jesus' teaching on this in Matthew 6. So uh, if you turn to Matthew 6 with me, and I'll tell you what verse in a second. In Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus is getting at the root of the problem of stealing, even though he does not necessarily mention it as a prohibition for us. But he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, right? So if at the root of the sin of stealing, if at the root of the problem with or, or the, the prohibition of the, of the eighth commandment is a love for money and a lack of trust in God, then you know, we definitely have Jesus addressing this problem. And the, and the way he addresses it is saying, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And then in the next few verses in verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It is not life more important than food and the body more than clothing. 
and then he gives examples about the birds of heaven uh, and sorry the birds of the sky and several things but then he says in verse uh, 31 therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what sh- or, or what shall we drink or what shall we wear for the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things and all these things will be added to you therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble so Jesus is speaking into this and like I said at the beginning for many of us stealing seems like such a distant sin it seems like something that, you know, maybe we tell ourselves, oh, I would never steal something. You know, that's just not what I do. But when we fail to trust in God's provision, and when money and earthly treasures are our top priority, then stealing is not really that far off. In fact, if we take the whole counsel of God to define stealing, I guarantee you that you've probably, that all of us have probably done it at some point. Again, not necessarily taking something directly, but, but it could be, you know, by selling something way overpriced or by selling something that was, we knew that it was defective and we didn't say that it was defective or, or by uh, cheating at work or cheating on your taxes or not working when you were supposed to be working, um, not paying money that you owe. Etc., 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 right? So, there are many ways in which we could be breaking this command. And these things are a violation of God's law, but ultimately is a failure to trust God as our provider. It is a love for money and possessions. Now, a second uh, root for this problem, um, I would say, is laziness. Laziness. Another sin that uh, or sorry, not another sin, it, laziness. So for example, if you go to Second Thessalonians, so please turn to Second Thessalonians with me. Chapter 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, starting in verse 6. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians and the Thessalonians already had a problem with idleness, with laziness. Uh, it sounds like many of them didn't work. And so Paul is writing to them and he's basically telling them that those who do not work but eat from somebody else's bread, they are basically stealing. He says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. Because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busybodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. 
And so basically Paul is saying here, if you do not work and you are eating somebody else's bread, if you are dependent on someone else and you refuse to work, that is a form of stealing, right? Because you are stealing somebody else's bread. And I think this is, uh, uh, this is something that all of us should consider, right? If we are willing, sorry, if we are able to work, but we refuse to work, we refuse to, to, um, to obey this command and we are taking from someone else, uh, sometimes even the government, if we are taking benefits from the government, I'm not saying that taking benefits from the government just, you know, in and of itself, it's evil, right? No, because we're paying our taxes and the government has some things that we should definitely take advantage of. But what I'm saying is if we are refusing to work when we are actually able to work and we are taking money or bread or something from someone else, that is a form of stealing. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 10 through 12, Paul says to the, to the church in Thessalonica, he says, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one, right? So I, I, what Paul is saying, what God is saying through Paul is that ideally for everyone, we would work with our own hands and we would be dependent on no one. So as we have seen, as we are studying the Ten Commandments, uh, when we look at the law, when we look at the Ten Commandments, one of the things that the law should be doing in us is it should be convicting us of our sin, right? If you are feeling a little bit uneasy and if, you know, maybe some things are coming back to memory about things that maybe you did, about ways that maybe you cheated or, or you know, did some, something in, a, in violation of the Eighth Commandment, that's a good thing. It is good that you are feeling a little bit uncomfortable of that, about that. In fact, you should feel very uncomfortable about that because it is a violation of God's law. And that's a good thing because it means that the Holy Spirit is working in us. The Holy Spirit is convicting us of sin through the law. But one of the other things that we mentioned is that the law doesn't just leave us there, you know, dead on the road after, you know, having, having beat us up in conviction, but the law actually points us to Christ. The law points us to the mercy of Christ, to the love of God. And this is, uh, this is what I want to do um, at, at this point. I want us to think about the mercy of God. And one of the things uh, about Jesus, so Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. He never broke any of the commandments of God. He never uh, uh, stole anything. But don't you find it ironic that Jesus was crucified next to two thieves? And then listen to what, uh, listen to the interaction between the thieves and Jesus. In Luke 23, verse 39 through 43, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God 
since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The posture of the, of the second criminal, it should be the posture that all of us take, right? We need to acknowledge that we are under the same sentence of condemnation that Jesus was on the cross. Think about it. When Jesus was on the cross, these two thieves were under the same sentence of condemnation as Jesus. And one of them acknowledges this. One of them realizes, wow, we are suffering exactly the same. But here's the thing. He is being punished unjustly, right? We are, being, we are suffering this sentence justly because we have stolen, because we have sinned, because we have broken God's law. But Jesus, having done nothing wrong, he went to the cross. And so really all we can do, if we are convicted of our sin, if we are convicted of having broken God's law, all we can do is join this other thief in asking Jesus for mercy, right? In saying to him, remember me when you come into your kingdom and saying, Lord God, I have sinned against you. I have broken your law and I continue to break your law, but I need your forgiveness. I need your salvation. Please remember me when you come into your kingdom. Christ died on the cross as a criminal for those of us who truly are criminals and those of us who have violated God's perfect law and are deserving of death. Now, I want to take this a step further. And this is not just because I want to take it a step further. I think that the Bible actually takes this a step further. So I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. What do you think is the opposite of stealing? What is it? Okay, generous, yeah. What else? What do you think is the opposite of stealing? Giving? Sharing, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I would say that is the opposite, but, but all of you are skipping one step. And this is the step that, that we are given in Ephesians 4. Verse 28, it says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So yes, absolutely. The opposite of stealing is giving, but the bridge that takes us there is work. Right? So Paul is saying, do not steal, instead work so that you can be generous. So let's talk about uh, uh, that first step of working first. Um, we saw that Jesus died on the cross for us as a, as, as a thief, basically, even though he never broke God's law. But, it, and he gave us forgiveness. He forgives us of stealing, but he does more than that. He gives us a new life 
and he empowers us to work. He empowers us to quit stealing and to work. So if you look at the context of, of that verse in Ephesians 28, uh, so looking at Ephesians 4, 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that is the context of, of the command to no longer steal, but to work. And so basically what this is saying is that Christ is giving us a new life, right? Through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, Jesus has given us new life. And this new life means that we now have the power and the ability to obey God's commands, right? Because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. We have the ability to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to put on the new self that is created after the likeness of God. And therefore we have the ability to obey God's commands. And in this case, the command that we have is to stop stealing, but to work, to work with our own hands, to do honest work. And now, finally, let's get to the, to the last step, which is to share, right? So uh, you actually beat me to the punch because I was hoping that you would say that the opposite of, of, of stealing was working. Maybe I shouldn't have asked that question uh, because it was supposed to be a little bit more shocking than this, but you already know it. Basically, it was do not steal, instead work, but we can take it even a step further in that God requires of us to share, to be generous, right? That's not an option. It is God's will that we work and that we are not dependent on, uh, on anyone or on, that we are dependent on no one, but it is also God's will that we would share, right? Verse 28, again, Ephesians 4, 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is the example that Paul set throughout his ministry in Acts 20, 35, when he is uh, saying his farewell to the Ephesian elders. This is what he tells them. He tells them, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive, right? So Paul set the example of saying, I worked really hard with my hands so that I could help the weak. And that's an example that he was setting for the Ephesian elders, for the Ephesian church, 
and ultimately an example for all of us, right? We work, yes, so that we can be uh, self-sustained, so that we can be dependent on no one, so that we are not stealing somebody else's bread, but it doesn't stop there, right? I think the, the American dream tells us that it stops there, right? You just work for yourself. And, and that's, a, that's a really good thing. It's a really good thing to be able to work and to be able to make money. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you seeking to have a better position at work or finding a better job that, pro- that gives you more money, that provides more for your needs. There is nothing wrong with enjoying God's good gifts. But when we are stingy with what God has given us, then we are violating God's commands, right? When we just work and work and work to get our money for ourselves and for our own enjoyment and for, you know, just to please ourselves, I believe that that has become a love of money. I think that all of us, when we work, we should know, we should keep it in mind. We should make it a goal. I am working, yes, to support my family, but I am also working in order to be generous to the weak, to the needy, to the poor. And Kaleo family, I'm actually really encouraged that I have seen Kaleo be generous toward people in need. I know that several times we've announced, you know, that there are specific needs at families, uh, um, you know, that for whatever reason, they were sick or something else. There were financial needs. And I was very encouraged to see that people actually stepped in and they gave generously so that these families could, um, could be helped. And that was amazing. And, and in fact, I have been the recipient of this generosity uh, multiple times where, you know, I don't, I don't, well, I, I don't know. I don't know that I've actually made, you know, my, my needs public to, to the world, but I have been the recipient of, uh, of this church's generosity. And I'm, I'm just extremely thankful for that. And I'm sure that, that many of you have been the recipient of the generosity of our brothers and sisters. And so that's extremely good. And so I want to encourage us to continue in this, to continue to work knowing that, yes, we are depend- we are, we're providing for our own needs but also to work so that we can be generous. And I think in Christ, our Savior, we have the greatest example of this. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Paul writes, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that even though he was rich, yet for your sake, He became poor so that by his poverty, so that, sorry, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is the, this is what our Lord Jesus did. He was rich. He became poor for our sake so that by his poverty, we might become rich, right? That is the greatest example of generosity. So the, the, to summarize everything that I've just said, do not steal. And if you have stolen, Christ died for you as a criminal 
to forgive you. And he rose again to empower you to work, to work with your own hands, to do honest work. But this work is not just for yourself. This work is also so that you can share with those who are in need. Let's pray. God, we thank you for we thank you for your generosity. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you became poor. You came to this earth and you lived as one of us and you went to the cross and you died as a thief so that those of us who have actually stolen things, who have actually cheated, swindled our neighbor, so that we would receive forgiveness. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you rose again and that you give us new life and that you give us the ability to work with our own hands so that we would be dependent on no one. And we know that ultimately we are dependent on you, God. And I pray that you help us to be generous to one another. I pray that you help us that you open our eyes to see the needs of those around us, that we wouldn't just wait until it is asked of us, but that we would actually have generous eyes that see the struggles that other people are going through, Lord. And that when we work, that we would consciously decide to work so that we can help others who are in need. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your generosity, for your grace, for your forgiveness. In Jesus, in your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.